Do you remember those kaleidoscopes when we were kids that you would turn and they had these yeah. glass beads at the end and you put them up to the light and you could get all these different kinds right. of shapes and colors and everything like that? How about a kaleidoscope of bygone places, events, and items that were once identified with the Gateway City, St. Louis. That's what we're going to talk about. <music> Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, and thank you for joining us for fresh perspectives on issues and events with experts, community leaders, and everyday people who are driving change and making an impact that shapes our society and world. I'm Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> well, great. We're back together. We are back together finally. I know. We've had a couple of challenges. I don't want to, yeah, but we're we're together. It's scheduling with the holidays, sickness, medical teeth. situations in my mouth, teeth. teeth. I know. And anything to do with the face, teeth, eyes. I'm just it scares me. I hate it. It hurts. <laughs> Especially as we are getting more seasoned. <laughs> Thank you. Our return to civility, folks. This is something to take into consideration to help our society be more civil. Cover your mouth mm. or excuse yourself whenever you have to yawn during a conversation. Mm-hmm. Even if a yawn really results from a lack of oxygen, people still assume it means you're bored. Uh So cover your mouth Uh or excuse yourself whenever Uh you have to yawn during a conversation. Amen. (laughs) Just say amen. Like one of my little pet peeves. Another one would be eating food with your mouth open, chewing with your mouth open. Don't do that. Smack on the gum. And there's a word for it that people have that, for me, that I can't take it i can't stand it oh well, chewing with your mouth open yeah listening to people like that there oh. there's a word i don't even know what it is but it's rude a, it is rude <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to see it's seafood oh seafood yes that's right that's right <laughs> i remember that one. <laughs> i know I, it's one of my afflictions one of my many afflictions oh, no, that's okay. fine i know you're not going to be bored today folks you won't need to be yawning because we have a great conversation planned. Dennis Dillon is a retired sports writer and editor who's worked 12 years at the St. Louis Globe Democrat. Mm. It was a great paper back in the day. And 26 years at the Sporting News, another great paper back mm-hmm. in the day. Two of his stories received honorable mention in the Best American Sports Writing Anthology. He's also written for SportsIllustrated.com and ESPN. In 2011, he received the Bob Bragg Award presented by mm-hmm. the National Football Foundation and College Football Hall of Fame, the St. Mm-hmm. Louis chapter, for entertainment, integrity, and professional devotion to the game of football. Native of Kansas City, Missouri, and he's a longtime St. Louisan. He's one of the authors of The Lost Treasures of St. Louis. Mm. Dennis, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you, Arnold. Mark, good to be with you guys. Yeah. So I guess first I want to go to two of your stories received honorable mention in the Best American Sports Writing Anthology. What were those stories about? The one that I was most happy with was, I don't know if you guys remember, a former football player for the Detroit Lions named Reggie Brown. Mm-hmm. Not not a uh, pro bowler, mm-hmm. uh, not a future Hall of Famer or anything. In 1997, I believe, the Lions were playing a game on a Sunday against the Jets. And I was working that day at the Sporting News, but we had the game on TV. And he made a tackle and led with his head 
and got knocked unconscious, and he lay there on the field. And that was one of those things where the broadcasts say, okay, we're going to show you this, and we're going to cut away. They must have done that three or four times because they couldn't move him at first. You know, wow. They were afraid that they might. Right. So they tried to immobilize him. So anyway, I was watching that, and I found it interesting, all the things that were going on around him. And so I ended up doing a story on him. It was called, it was the 17 minutes that saved Reggie Brown's life. Mm. And I, I interviewed players, trainers, doctors, Reggie Brown himself, about what they remembered, what was going on at that time. One of his teammates, and it showed on TV, he ran back into the locker room, came running back out, and put something in Reggie's hand. And it was a prayer prayer card hmm. that his mom gave this other player that he kept in his locker. Oh. But he wanted to give it to Reggie Brown to help right, him right. spiritual right. get better and all that. So it, it was it proved to be an interesting story, I thought. It was just all the things that were going on, the people that mm-hmm. saved him. And mm-hmm. it was a surreal scene. And some guys never get up. They, right. they are paralyzed. Right. Uh, and then he ended up wearing this huge thing on his mm. neck and his head that a, a round circle it was a brace that kept his oh. neck and head in place for a few weeks and uh, yeah that was uh, one of the ones that uh, i enjoyed doing wow sports writing rather than being a i guess you work for the globe were you doing sports at the globe yes i started out doing high school sports okay and then i ended up covering the football cardinals from 1978 till 85 Okay. And that was fun. Yeah. They, they weren't very good during that time. But nope. <laughs> it, it was a fun beat to, right, to right. have. And I guess so you have this affinity then for football rather than maybe baseball or soccer or hockey or because you covered the Cardinals back then? Yeah. Growing up, I think I was like a lot of kids at that age. They wanted to be a baseball player. And it didn't take me long to realize I wasn't good enough. <laughs> So, yeah, once I got on the football beat, I really enjoyed watching them play, talking to the players, and I've just been a football guy ever since, both pro and college. Even though the Rams left us, I I still watch the NFL. I know a lot of guys didn't want to do that. A lot of right. season ticket holders and all that, they vowed they'd never watch the NFL again. I think a lot of those have come back eventually. And now they root against the Rams, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I watch... <laughs> College and NFL religiously. It's changed a lot with the uh, NIL mm-hmm. stuff and the transfer portal and mm-hmm. everything. It's become more of a, a, a kind of a crazy game now. Well, it is. And I think that might be one reason why some of these coaches are retiring. Um, Nick Saban announced he, was, he did retire a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed since then a lot of the his former players are going to the portal and they're transferring because yeah. they, they don't want to play for the new coach or they want right. to get an opportunity somewhere else. But uh, So, Dennis, what do you think about Mizzou next year, the Tigers? I they're don't... losing a couple of key players. The running back, Cody Schrader, he was a former walk, walk-on and he had two great seasons there. But Brady Cook is coming back, and Luther Burden's coming back, and a couple of the other receivers. I think it would be a surprise if they fell back last year and they mm. weren't competitive like they were this year. I saw one prediction, a way too early prediction, that said the Mizzou was going to go 11-1 and in the regular season, losing mm. only to Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't no. know. That's a little early to, to make that kind of a statement. I think 
You're positive. Drink, which is the real thing. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. I think he's finally finding his sea legs a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it took him a while. Uh-huh. To, Got to develop. He's a yeah. good recruiter. I think he's proved that. And uh, and he's turned over some of the play calling to and other coaches. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot, mm-hmm. I think. That was a good decision. But yeah, they, they were a fun team to watch again. Yeah. yeah. Good to get your perspective. Uh, it's a great on game that. against Ohio State. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was boring for three yeah. quarters or so, but yeah, until it, it opened up. Yeah, yeah, they eventually. Yeah, they they won that one. That, that uh, but yeah, it was. It was fun. I think people were yawning through some of that. Game. <laughs> I don't know about eating with their mouth open. <laughs> open, but uh, yeah. he fit right in here, didn't he? Yeah. Here we go. Now the, the, let's turn the kaleidoscope here a little bit mm. okay. and this book the lost treasures of st louis it's the second edition yeah correct and how did you get involved with this project over the years i had contributed some uh, book ideas to reedy press reedy is the publisher mm-hmm. located here in st louis and uh they weren't the ideas that uh, the publisher wanted to do these were more chapter books mm-hmm. and Reedy does more of these coffee table books right. with a lot of photos and descriptions next to them like lost treasures and Cameron Collins who wrote the first uh, book by himself in 2017 he was under a tight deadline to get this done and his he had been caring for his mom who was ill she eventually passed away and he has a, also has a full-time job Josh Stevens the Reedy Press publisher called me and asked if I'd be interested in helping out and helping Cameron complete the book. I said, yeah. And Cameron and I met up, and it was an instant. We met instantly. And you molded. Molded, yeah, pretty quickly. And he gave me some things he wanted me to write, and I just kept on doing it until they said stop. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the second edition, obviously adding new lost treasures in there along the way, was there any modification of the old lost treasures that were in there? or? Any updating uh, that was done there? Some of the uh, ones that were carried over to the second edition were updated if mm-hmm. they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And Cameron wrote all these new introductions to each okay. section okay. that was in there. And there were about 130 new lost treasures that we mm-hmm. put in this book that were not in the first edition. So when, to have people understand what is a lost treasure here, we're talking about lost restaurants, lost places of food and drink establishments, entertainment establishments, retail establishments, media establishments, Mm -hmm. community kind of places. And do you have a a favorite of any of those categories? I know you had mentioned to me earlier uh, when we talked, uh, like there's the Bayou Bell, and we're going to get into these, the Biltmore Club, Bloody Island, Wet Willies. Remember Mm -hmm. Wet Willies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Spirits of St. Louis. We're getting to basketball now. Right, right, right. Uh, the Floating McDonald's, one yeah, of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, so you've mentioned uh, many of my favorites. There are a lot of them in there that uh, I had fun researching that mm-hmm. I didn't know everything about or some of them I didn't know anything about, like the Biltmore Club, which maybe we'll talk about a little mm-hmm, later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, th- we tried to uh, – there's a whole new chapter in there that was not in the first edition called Made in St. Louis, and it's about products yeah. that were made in oh, St. Hey. Louis back in the day that people might be surprised that that they were made here. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Corvette uh, was made here from oh, 1954 right. to 1981. That's right. That's Before right. they moved to Kentucky. Yes. Yeah, Bowling Green, Kentucky, this I think, now. is when they transferred there. A lot of – everybody thinks of St. Louis and beer, and they think it's Anheuser-Busch. But there were a lot of other breweries back oh, in the day right. that, that brewed, had factories and brewed their beer mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And 
like it's like so good potato chips mm-hmm. and right. old judge coffee just several things seven up seven I, up yeah. listerine yeah. yeah yeah i love the book uh, i it really did great i was looking through it before the show and i was hard to put down it's great how long does it take to put a book like this together how long well, did you work on that they called me in march of last year and Cameron had already started doing some of the legwork on it, and he gathered most of the new pictures. And that's not an easy task because you can't just find a picture somewhere and then automatically use it. You have to get permission mm-hmm. from whoever took it. You have to go through a lot of flip somersaults and flips and everything to do that. But we started, I started in March. And we went at it pretty heavily till about the end of August. Mm-hmm. And then in September, it was a lot of proofing the pages and making corrections and all that. And they, it went to press, I think, in late September and came out on around October 11th wow. of this past year. That's a so good labor of it love was there. A lot, it yeah. was labor intensive for yeah. about six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, um, Wow. Had to do it that way. We would have never met the deadline. Right. And Regis Philman, just for yeah. just to throw something out there. I had forgotten Regis had a, a show here in St. Louis from St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. And that's and I think a lot of readers will feel the same way. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Or they'll say, Oh, I used to I remember going there. Oh, I, that was great when he used to Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it brings back the That's uh, why it was so hard to put down. Fond yeah. memories and hopefully fond memories. What you, know? you just described was exactly mm-hmm. as I was going through the book, mm-hmm. my my exact emotions. Oh man, I couldn't remember right. I forgot about that. I yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. That's what happens. There's something about a thing, but then when you research it you find out maybe you didn't know the mm-hmm. whole story that's true whatever. that's yeah, true so. yeah you're listening to st louis in tune with arnold stricker and mark langston we're talking to dennis Dillon about the second edition the lost treasures of st louis and dennis you mentioned about a, a, there was a pretty heavy schedule to get this done so help listeners understand you're not just working like maybe nine to five on this how many hours a day or how many hours a week, because I want to put things in perspective for people so they understand the volume of time that goes into something like this, especially in, in yeah. prepping for this. It was almost a full-time job for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fortunately, I didn't have any other things that I needed to, to do so I could devote all that time. But there were days when I spent eight, nine hours, and not every day, but it was pretty intensive. Uh, worked a lot of weekends, too. And uh, the research took a lot of time and then when you felt like when i felt like i had researched a person or a thing or a place enough then i looked at all the notes that i took and then i tried to put it into these 100 to 125 word descriptions which wasn't always easy because you can't get everything in there right. and so i you tried to get the best stuff yes. in there the best stuff that would interest readers and all that so. now i'm sh- sure you probably went down to the main branch of the library here in st louis you went to the missouri uh, historical society or actually not uh <laughs> i did most of my research on google and then i hmm. find things that were had been written in the paper mm-hmm. or in magazines like the riverfront times mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that i could usually do my research there okay and i think cameron probably used those other resources from time to time at least for the first book, I right. know that. And the th- neat thing about Cameron is he isn't even from St. Louis. He moved here, I think, maybe 20 oh. years ago. He's from upstate New York. And so he, <laughs> when he was researching that first book, 
he was going into a cold. He didn't have any knowledge for a lot of these things that that he wrote about but it was a big discovery kaleidoscope for him yeah (laughs) it really was yeah some of the things i I couldn't believe this until i read it the joy of cooking book oh my originated here in st louis get out of here yeah i didn't know that and that's the whole front end i didn't know that is is about that yeah that's the lead into the food and drink chapter in the book but yeah this woman a rom backer i think her name is Mm -hmm. She was a widow, and she wanted to find a way to earn some money, so she put together this raw cookbook, and she went around door-to-door in her neighborhood selling it to her neighbors and that. And then as time went on, she'd collect more recipes, update the book, and, uh, yeah, it's amazing because she had no writing talent going into that project. It was just she liked cooking. She liked collecting recipes yeah. and i think it was 1931 that her book first came out but wow. yeah there's been a lot of new editions since then yeah wow. and moving the the capital and the white house to st louis yeah it's like what yeah. and stone by stone oh yeah yeah i don't think that went over <laughs> well uh, in congress uh, in in dc I, I don't think anybody really was for that there it was somebody had thought it would be a possibility but can you imagine if St. Louis was the capital of the United States, I, I mean, that'd be crazy. Yeah. yeah, it would be. I think they wanted to be centrally located in the mm-hmm. in the country, perhaps. And yeah, I think that's yeah, that would make that's what I heard. But, <laughs> I yeah. think there's some other things that even native St. Louisans like Mark and myself oh. weren't aware of. St. Louis had a really vibrant Chinatown oh, for yeah. a long time. It did, and it was called Hop Alley. Mm-hmm. It was down in the city. Maybe have been on Seventh Street around there, hmm. but yeah, that was St. Louis's Chinatown back in the day. Uh, a lot of restaurants, of course, and uh, other Asian type businesses in that uh, area. Hop Alley. I'm not sh- so sure that was the best name for it. Not politically correct, right? But I, back then, I think those things were accepted. Cherry Patch for the Irish, mm-hmm. Hop Alley for the mm-hmm. Chinese, and other other places, other areas mm-hmm. uh, like that. Yeah. I think this is, even for people who, like Cameron, who aren't from St. Louis, gives a nice flavor of what St. Louis had been, even with buildings and retail establishments and restaurants and just the vibrancy of the city. I guess as let's talk a little bit about some of these favorites that you have the Bayou Bell which I was not familiar with the steamboat or paddle boat right it was a 226 foot stern wheeler that was in a sitting at a bayou in New Orleans and a man named Obi Kopravika he came from a family who owned who owned some restaurants and he wanted to start one of his own so he went to New Orleans on his honeymoon, and he saw this. He fell in love with the culture and the cuisine of New Orleans, and he wanted to bring some of that back to St. Louis. And he saw this big boat sitting there in, in the bayou in New Orleans. He came back. He and his business partner ended up buying some land on a farm in Bridgeton, Missouri. So a lot of people, if, if you didn't grow up in Bridgeton or lived in that area you might not know about this but anyway he went back it was being used by a pentecostal church group and they bought the boat for eight thousand dollars they had it towed up the mississippi from new orleans 
I think it took 10 to 12 days. Then they went down the Missouri River to the old St. Charles Rock Road Bridge. I don't know if you remember that Mm -hmm. one. I do. And uh, they somehow got it out of the water. They put it on a house mover. And they drove it down St. Charles Rock Road (laughs) to where they eventually put it in and atop this concrete moat. Uh, It was on St. Charles Rock Road in in McKelvey. There's a Target shopping center there in Bridgeton, Mm -hmm. and it was in front of that. Uh, And then it took a couple years to renovate it. And one night, Kobe, or yeah, he was on the on the top deck repainting the smokestacks. He lost his balance. He fell into this concrete moat, which there was no water in it yet. Suffered a massive brain injury. He died the next day. Oh my. So he never got to see the opening of his restaurant. His wife went ahead and, with his partner, opened it in 1963. And it was a steakhouse, uh, a lot of seafood, a lot of New Orleans dishes. They had gangplanks on each end that you entered from. Uh, it, went, it was open for about 12 years, and then in 1974, Five, I believe there was a massive fire and it was it destroyed mm. the restaurant. Nobody was on injured, mm. which was good. But yeah, I thought the story of it moving all the way from New Orleans, going down the river, up oh. the river, and then being towed down Rock St. Charles Road. Rock Road. I'm, I would have liked to have seen that, that side. Yeah, I would, yeah. yeah, I would have gotten stuck in traffic to see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and not got mad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And those are the kind of stories that that end up getting lost unless there's something like this available right. to refer back to so people can do further research. Otherwise, it's gone. I'm out in that area, Holiday Hill, Natural Bridge, uh-huh. and out by the airport. I remember that. I could even sing the jingle for you. That's, that's how much it you know, uh, maybe reverberates you in my maybe head. Maybe you should not. <laughs> Don't do that. Every day is a holiday at Holiday Hill was their little wow. tagline. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, uh, Advertising does work. Yeah, it does. Wow. Especially with music. Oh, wow. yeah. Because every day's a holiday at Holiday Hill. He did it. Dennis, he did it. All right. I got it. <laughs> Don't encourage him, Dennis. <laughs> well, that was one of three or four amusement parks that existed back in the day mm-hmm. in yeah. St. Louis. Of course, today, all, a lot of people know, only know about Six Flags. But there was Holiday Hill, that was, which was near the airport. Mm-hmm. There was Chana Rocks Amusement Park, mm-hmm. which was in North County, uh off of Riverview Drive, mm-hmm. I think. It overlooked the Mississippi River and the Chain of Rocks Bridge. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was Forest Park Highland, eventually burned down. Right. But that was uh, across from where today's Forest Park Community College is. Yep. Yeah, there were a lot of great places for school picnics, family reunions, that type of thing back then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a little brief break, and we'll come back talk more about uh, Bloody Island, <laughs> maybe Wet Willies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Biltmore Club, Spirits of St. Louis, and, and several other things. So we'll be right back. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. 
the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. St. Louis In Tune strives to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Our topics cover a wide range, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and even sports. And that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform, that's stlintune.com, stlintune.com. And if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper, let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is stlintune.com. We want to hear from you, stlintune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis In Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston. We are talking about the Lost Treasures, second edition book, Lost Treasures of St. Louis with Dennis Dillon. And let's turn that kaleidoscope a little bit more. Dennis, Bloody Island. Ooh. <laughs> 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 I know, it sounds wow. Now, as we were talking off air a little bit, Bloody Island, I'll let you, I won't steal the thunder there it probably wasn't a treasure per se i'm not sure anybody savored the memory of it (laughs) but it was an interesting place that i thought belonged in the book it started out in the early 1800s as it wasn't really an island it was more of a sandbar Mm -hmm. and it just kept growing at first it was an impediment to uh, riverboat traffic Hmm. Uh, it was on the shore of where it's now downtown St. Louis, between that and Illinois. And over time, oh. it got bigger. It eventually grew to a mile long and 500 feet wide. Wow. And cottonwood trees grew on it. And because of its neutral location under the auspices of neither Missouri or Illinois, it became a place where uh, aristocratic men would settle their disputes by going over to Bloody Island and dueling, usually with pistols. Gotcha. Uh, And one of the most famous duels was with between Thomas Hart Benton and Mm -hmm. Charles Lucas. They were on opposite sides of some kind of a land proposal deal, 
and they got heated and they called each other names and they finally decided to take it to Bloody Island. And the first time, they actually dueled twice. The first time, Benton shot Lucas in the throat, but Lucas actually survived, and Benton was shot in the knee. And you think that, okay, guys, we both survived. Let's put it behind us. Right. No, a little later they got into another Let's finish dispute. finish the job. Yeah, finish <laughs> the into a, job. Yeah. Not, oh we don't hold any grudges or anything, but let's do this again. So they went yeah, back was over fun. there, and this time Benton shot and killed Lucas. Oh, so gosh. that was one of the interesting things I oh. found doing the research. And now there's not much left of what is the Bloody Island. I think it was pushed over near the Illinois side of the river and it's under one of those bridge under one of the bridges. I don't know if it's the Poplar or one of the other ones. But back in the day it was hmm. an interesting place for to settle disputes. Yeah, wow. no yeah. doubt. Wow. Yeah, and speaking of bridges, there was a, a rail car underneath the Poplar Street Bridge that was a restaurant. Yeah, a restaurant and a music venue or something? What? It might have been. Yeah, that one I I didn't. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have that much knowledge on that one to tell you the truth. But yeah, that was. It got flooded out in the flood of. Was it the palace car? Yeah, yes. Something like that. Yeah. While while we're doing that, the Biltmore Club. That was probably the most interesting thing I discovered while doing research for the book. The Biltmore Club was a building high on a hill that sat on the boundary, both Jefferson County and St. Louis County. Back in the days of Prohibition, it was a speakeasy, Mm. and it was a place for the high rollers, the men and women, the rich men and women in St. Louis, could go there, and they could gamble Mm -hmm. and drink alcohol illegally, but they had their privacy to do it. There was one big room they had with a reinforced steel door that they could go in there and and do all this illegal stuff. And there were some gangster tie-ins to it. I think even Al Capone went there one time. It was was a shady place. And out in front of it, they had these two guard booths. And the guards in there allegedly had some kind of weapons, maybe rifles or machine guns. Machine guns. Yeah, I like and machine they were guns. there to keep out the riffraff. And so if the Biltmore Club was about to be raided and, say, the St. Louis County police came, mm-hmm. they'd get the word into that special room where all the people were, and they'd say, go stand on the Jefferson County side. <laughs> and then you, they wouldn't have any uh, authority to arrest them. And then, of course, if it was Je- uh, Jefferson County gendarmes, they'd say, go stand on the St. Louis uh, County side. <laughs> but it, it went till about uh, 1931, I think. Then it was dormant for a while. It reopened in 1951 as a supper club. It reopened later as a music venue for hmm. young, the younger crowd. Hmm. And then it eventually was burned. I think it burned down. They always, the, why are they always burned down? They always seem to burn down. Yeah. <laughs> it's insurance money. Yeah. It's, yeah. Where was it located? Do you, I think it was located off of Gravoy, hmm. out near maybe where... Uh, okay. Down Gravoy. Gravoy Mills uh-huh. Shopping Center is right. maybe in that area. It was gotcha. up on a hill. I like mm. George Winter Park area. Not too far from there. Yeah. 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 Okay. And But mm. I think it was on both boundaries. Kind oh, of yeah. straddled the Jefferson County and St. Louis County boundaries. Smart idea. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So the biggest surprise for you, I know that was a kind of a favorite story, but 
like you were like I can't believe that or mm. what in the world that's a good question and I'm trying to think mm. that the Biltmore Club in Bloody Island I had no idea about that one mm-hmm. I thought that was nursing too but another thing that's, that struck out was how many restaurants and bars had mm. to close because of the pandemic Hmm. A lot of these hmm. closed down in the, in, within the last five five years, no. six years or so. I, I can notice that. Yeah, yeah, because they they had to cut their hours or maybe close during during the pandemic, and then when they tried to come back, the employees didn't come back a lot of times. Right, right. They just couldn't support business, unfortunately. So hmm. a lot of them, yeah, ended up on the cutting room floor. You know, it, it surprises me because my wife and I were talking about this, how much institutions, and many times they don't look ahead and see what the landscape's going to be. They're not trying to think, how can I possibly maintain uh, vibrancy, i.e. the pandemic. Okay, a lot of restaurants, they shuttered. Mm-hmm. And a lot of restaurants, they started making food for the workers who were in the hospital Mm -hmm. so that there was some kind of supply and demand going on. Uh, They kept some basic employees so they could keep some core Mm -hmm. employees going. They got out into other things. And many restaurants now that I'm familiar with, like 50% of their business is carry-out now because Mm -hmm. they established this kind of, yeah, you can come carry-out and go through all the regimen that we have to do. And we were talking about how education many Mm -hmm. times – over the years has had several interventions but has never tweaked from what the original kind of thing was. Mm -hmm. And there's a section on here of William Itner schools that are all closed because the city, Mm. the population's down. And then you look at the archdiocese, there's a section in here of the archdiocese, Mm -hmm. all those that have shuttered and closed. Mm. And it makes you wonder when technology or things start to change, are we looking ahead a little bit more than we need to maintain our vibrancy or to maintain the the business? Clearly, a lot of those places weren't. You right. know, they didn't have long-range plans to find out how they could keep business going no matter what happens. You mentioned the carryout business. I don't know if you guys know about Farachi's Pizza. Mm-mm. It's out on Manchester Road. It's one of my wife and I, one of our favorites. They went to carry out only during the pandemic, and they made more money than than before when they had both dine-in and carry-out. Yeah, it was a very popular spot. But in a lot of those restaurants, that's how they stayed right. alive was, was carry-out. And like you said, making meals for right. uh, workers and, and uh, other people. Got rid of a lot of that overhead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of my some of my. F- favorite here is I know you mentioned Wet Willies. That's out in Fenton also. There was one in Fenton and there's one in St. Charles. Okay, wasn't aware of that. I think St. Charles, it was off of I-70 near the Cave Springs exit. Okay, yes. They both were built about the same time in 1978 Mm -hmm. and they were fun, a fun water slide to go down to. They had twists and turns. You rode these two foot by four foot rubber mats and you'd slide and and end up going into a little pool where you'd exit. Mm -hmm. The problem was they were not made out of fiberglass like today's water slides are. They were concrete. Ooh. If you lost your mat, Ow. you would be thrust around in that water and you'd go up against these concrete <coughs> excuse me, walls. You'd end up with bruises or cuts or sometimes broken bones. And a lot of times, I know in, when St. Charles's West Willie's first started, 
within the first month they had to take 10 people 10 people had to go to the hospital <laughs> wow. because of injuries Gosh. one of them with a broken vertebrae oh my and then adding insult to injury sometimes if you lost your mat not only did you get cut up and bumped and everything you might lose your swimming suit too oh, oh. Well, that yeah. that might not be the best thing when he ended up yeah. in the the pool there yeah. <laughs> half your suit is still 100 up. feet up right. <laughs> zoom <laughs> Wow. Okay. Some of these places in the book here, like I'm looking at the Plantation Club, was located in the Palladium. Yeah. And I went, I would go and I'd look up on Google Maps. That building's still standing. Hmm. It's all boarded up. Really? Yeah. And we have such wonderful things, or like like you were saying, though, Mark, it burned down. Yeah. Or it burned down. Or it was knocked down. Now (laughs) it's a parking lot. Right. Yeah. Knocked down. Now it's a parking lot. Right. And that we just. You can't keep everything. No. But we have a tendency to, as cities develop, oh, we need more parking. And so let's knock this old building yeah. down because it, what's it worth? Forget you know, the historical. But this is a very, uh, it's a very historical building. Huh? Yeah, it was a place where a lot of black entertainers performed there. And it was mostly a white audience. I think there were some gangster ties to that one also, or a mob tie. But they didn't serve alcohol there. They served setup with mm-hmm. water, soda, and all that. So patrons could come in and bring their own liquor with them, and then it would be able to stay open past the 1 a.m. you know curfew mm-hmm. because it technically right. didn't ter- uh, serve alcohol. But, uh, yeah, that was... They compared that to the Cotton Club in New York, which I don't know much about, but I've heard. Yeah, so we had Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, the Mills Brothers, Billie Holiday perform there. That's crazy. Yeah. Can you imagine going there in in St. Louis and seeing those hit musicians back in the day? Oh, yeah. And there was was another one at Natural Bridge and, I want to say Martin Luther King, Natural Bridge and... Get my oh, there's the, the Cherokee Cave and Museum. That was another cool place. You know yeah. what I missed in the book I, was Fitz's. I don't know if you remember Fitz's. Fitz's root beer. Yeah, well, they had a spot on uh, Clayton Road in Brentwood. I don't know if you remember that or not. Really? We used to I, go there all the time. Best hamburgers in the world. Fitz's sauce was on it. I think there's a Fitz's still open on Delmar, right. maybe in the yeah. loop. Yep, in right. The loop. right. I think they finally moved there, but it was a dive place. It was like, barely standing. <laughs> It, oh, really? It should have burned the down. The grease was holding it. <laughs> <laughs> How about 905 beer? Oh, my 905 liquor stores? Yep, yep. Oh, remember those? I do. Yeah. Tom, Tom Boy? Yes. Tom Boy? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, let me ask you this. Oh, the Eagle? What were they? The, oh, the Eagle, Eagle Stamps. Stamps. Eagle. Yeah. Stamps. Yeah. yeah. My mom used yeah. to make me put stick those licked up backs and stick them in the book. Had those books, yeah. Get the kid to do it. <laughs> That's Sticky tongue by the end yeah. of that. What, in your opinion, happened to Gaslight Square? Well, that's a good question because I never went there. Our family moved here in 1963, mm-hmm. and I was only 14 years old. The only time I got down to downtown in that time was like to go to a ball game or mm-hmm. something like that. But I don't know what caused the clo- uh, the closure of it. To tell you the truth, maybe. Some of the places started going out of business, and then it they just eventually all folded. I'm not, I don't know. It yeah. was, I know it was a hopping place for a long time. Yes. It was just west of, of downtown. I never went there myself, as I mentioned, but uh, yeah, I heard it was a great bars, restaurants, a lot of entertainment district. 
I guess it was it was almost the Grove, uh-huh. Central West End, yeah. and a couple other places that we put together. When I was a kid, yeah, we would. Good, when I was sixteen, we used to drive down there just mm-hmm. to see the old boarded up buildings. It was yeah. still even. I think it was on DeBoliver or uh-huh. near DeBoliver. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I heard there was like a maybe a murder down there or something. Ooh. Somebody got shot, and so it was, okay, we're not going to do that. Mm. That would do it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Imagine that murder in St. Louis. No, yeah. I can't imagine. I know. I, don't, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable kinds of stuff here, Dennis. It's really good stuff, and really highly encourage people to take a look at this. It's entitled. It's the second edition, folks. So it's the a wonderful book by Reedy Press. You can get it at readypress.com. The Lost Treasures of St. Louis. And if you're from St. Louis, you'll probably do what Mark and I did. Oh man, Ready Whip. Wow. Yeah. Ready Whip was made here in St. Louis. Mr. Softy. You had a picture of a Mr. Yeah, Softy truck. Mr. Softy. We used, I used to run after those trucks all the time. That was the that was good stuff. Venture yeah. stores. Yeah. Oh, Grandpa yeah. Pigeons. Owned by Famous Bar. Yeah. Venture stores. Schweig Engel stores. Remember those commercials? Yeah. yeah. Schweig Engel. Becky had... Queen of Carpet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, carpet and tile. Yeah. She just passed she away. She just passed away. Yeah. Right? yeah, she did. Yeah. Crazy kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. What a great. It's a fantastic book. Highly recommend this book. You mentioned the lost parishes, and do I have time to tell a little sure. bit about oh, that? Oh, absolutely. That was Cameron's idea. The St. Louis Archdiocese announced during the summer last year that it was going to close 35 Catholic churches and merge 15 others. And this was getting toward the end of our deadline, but Cameron thought this would be a great addition to the book. So he took two days and drove all over St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and surrounding counties, and took a picture of each and every one of those churches that was going to be affected by this. So all 50 churches are in there. Oh, wow. And uh, oh. at one point, uh-huh. one time, the first day he put 600 miles on his car, <laughs> and he forgot wow. to eat, and I think he forgot to drink water. He became dehydrated. Oh, my gosh. And at one point he was in Tiff, Missouri. TIF, I think it's a, a little town in Washington County, and he had lost his cell service, and he found himself driving down this gravel road, and it ended at the bottom of it. So he went to turn around in uh, someone's driveway, and the guy came out, and the owner came out, cussing and yelling at him and coming at him, like, where do you think you're doing all that? And eventually Cameron said something back to him and the guy backed off but all Cameron was trying to do was turn around I guess this guy didn't get any visitors and he was uh, <laughs> fortunately not. he didn't he wasn't uh, with a gun he didn't have a gun in yeah, his hand, no but, yeah yeah but Cameron that was his baby he did all that in two days wow lost treasures of St. Louis second edition Dennis thanks for coming on St. Louis in tune well, the, thank you guys for having me I enjoyed it very much great thank book you. great book highly recommend yes book. yeah and you can get it in stores, too? Oh, you can get it at Barnes & Noble, okay. independent bookstores, Amazon, mm-hmm. sell it. And Cameron and I both will provide you books directly okay. if you want. Okay, so, cool. Sign. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Sign copies. Okay, wonderful. Well, Mark, we've had – now, this is not to put the – don't be scared about this now, what I'm going to say. There's, it's been an unfortunate thing that a couple people who we've interviewed have passed away. Oh, and choking <laughs> over here. <laughs> but uh, Richard Rosenfeld from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, uh, he passed away recently. Mm. And he was the uh, distinguished professor emeritus at UMSL, specialized in mm. social sources of crime. We've had him on 
I know at least two times, and talking about some of his crime stats and things like that. And then you may remember this. This is going back a ways, Mark. Todd Matthews from the Doe Network. The missing, like missing kids. We did a show. There oh, was a, a girl who had been, she had her arms and her legs are horrific, and, her, and she's beheaded. I and do her, remember. Her torso was left in North St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And there was a movie that a local right, movie that. person was doing, they did on that. But then we had Todd on because he talked about the Doe Network. And the Doe Network is trying to link up missing people. And then what they're doing right now is they're getting this DNA and somebody says, and they have DNA, and it's matching together. But there's only like 12 states that are, quote-unquote, required to submit information mm-hmm. to the Doe Network, and Missouri's not one of them. And so they've, I, I get some of their information on social media, mm-hmm. and they've had some discoveries because of people are doing all this ancestry research, uh-huh. and they're doing the DNA stuff, and so they're matching up things many 40 years later. But Todd passed away recently from an illness, so I wanted to recognize those, and those would be some really good interviews, folks, if you want to go back and listen to those. Not because I said they're good or Mark said they're good, but they're very interesting on the topics that we had. And speaking of which, we have a new website. It's uh, it's still stlintune.com, stlintune.com. But you can go in and go by season now and find out from season. You can go into different categories like art and architecture or crime or education or history or justice or music or society and culture. There's a whole group of things there. And it just provides a little bit more information for you as a listener and wanting to get a little bit more information. You can do search like the old other one, but this one's a little more user-friendly, and I recommend that. Matter of fact, we're going to have a section in there on guests also, and Dennis is going to – he's actually the first guest who's going to have a guest page, and he's going to be linked to this particular podcast. So we do the the show on the radio, and then we put it on – for the podcast, and we have such a large group of people that are actually working for us. Mm-hmm. It's Mark's basically doing all of the uh, mm-hmm. recording right now, and I do all the other stuff. So right. it's, that's our we we have a great large group right. of people doing this. So. And we're getting a good library of YouTube yes. uh, videos of all of these now. Yes, and there we have a. I guess you call it, what do you call it, a playlist or whatever right. of just St. Louis in tune. Right. And, and matter of yeah. fact, all of the audio Google podcasts is going away if they're not gone. And right. they're moving because right. Google owns YouTube. So all of the episodes that have been on Google podcasts have migrated now to YouTube. And something that we're, I'm going to surprise Mark here, wanting to get into maybe doing some video. But it takes a little bit of time. It takes, you know, getting into right. the right kind of uh um, plan, getting the right mm-hmm. equipment to do that, yep. and making sure that it works out. I don't want to do something that looks, uh, you know, halfway done. No, so no, half baked. Yeah, half baked cookies are okay, but not half baked radio half, shows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it goes? All right, Mark. What do you have? You have any days of the day today? Uh, there, there's a couple of interesting ones. It's National Pie Day. Did Ooh. you know that, Dennis? Ooh. I, I, I did not. Do you have but a favorite pie? I'm wondering if you have a favorite pie. Ooh, yeah. Anybody have a favorite pie? Yeah, I love peach pie. My wife was going to make me a peach pie here. Peach pie. Yeah, peach cobbler. International Sticky Toffee Pudding Day. Ooh. I don't know who comes up with these. This is one that I think is just right on the money. Measure Your Feet Day. 
get out a ruler and find out if you're really wearing the right size shoes. Mm. So it's, yeah. National King Day. This is your day. King Day. We honor you today if you're a king, whether you, you are a royalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, by name or simply in, in, as a, a royal person. That's always the day in England. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Every day is King Day. I yes. know. They're trying to do that here, though. Okay. National <laughs> Report Pharmaceutical Fraud Day. Spread mm. the word about this day to help save the Medicare program. I guess it's, mm, it's okay. for the Medicare yeah. program. Yeah, that makes sense. Who votes on these days? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Make them up. Here's a good one. A National Rhubarb Pie Day. Do you like rhubarb? <laughs> no, Actually, Dennis is going, I, I no. tell you what. My mom bought some Mrs. Smith's one time rhubarb pie. I thought this is disgusting. But uh-huh. my wife made some rhubarb pie, and it's actually, when it's made correctly, it's yeah. really good. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my. Okay. Well, let's see. A snowplow mailbox hockey day. Mount your trucks with the best plow blade as we celebrate mailbox, mailbox thrashing. So you knock them down? Yeah. Heck, yeah. With the, with the snowplow. <laughs> or what happened the other day with a – yesterday, I guess it was, with, with a oh, fire truck. Yeah. Down knock in, them uh, out with a fire truck. community. Yeah, that's the only way to do that. It was a parking – a nice parking job. 360 parking <laughs> job. Are, I know. Hit, hit a car or two along the way. No big deal. I know. Uh, National Compliment Day is coming up. Okay. Yeah. Nice to compliment people. Do we do that enough? We don't. No. No. National Peanut Butter Day. That's, I don't know. This is my favorite. Actually, I think it's Dennis's favorite. A National Belly Laugh Day. (laughs) (laughs) You should have at least one good belly laugh. That's correct. Isn't that right? That's correct. I know. Let's see. International Mobile Phone Recycling Day. I could use that. Could you use that? Maybe. Be honest now. How many I've got? I've, I've saved all these old phones. My wife was getting on me the other day. She's on this kick about ever, like cleaning everything. Well, <laughs> I've got a, a joke about that. It's, it's funny because we go. I don't want to get rid of those pictures. Instead of taking them off the phone, I just put the phone on the the shelf and hope that I can charge it later. <laughs> if you can find a charger. I know that's the other thing. I know. Yeah. You do have a joke about that? Uh, yeah, it's on in here somewhere. But knowing your wife is in the wrong is one thing, but proving she's in the wrong is just plain stupidity. Oh, my God. That's, that's terrible. But just so you know, it doesn't matter how good a parent you are. You will at least once carry a screaming demon child from a public place. It's true. I, 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 I get that. I understand. Back in my day, I could walk in a store with $25 and walk out with six porterhouse steaks, two chickens, a case of beer, five bottles of wine, two loaves of bread, and a gallon of milk. But I can't do that today. Too many cameras. <laughs> Let's see here. I forgot the word of the day, but we'll do that next time. I hate it when TV shows say they contain adult situations, mm-hmm. but then don't show anyone going to work, paying their bills, or cleaning up after their kids. <laughs> That's it. That's true. Let's see. I'll skip that one. Every marriage has one person who throws things out and a garbage-loving chaos goblin who says, but I was saving that. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. I have hoarding in my blood. My job has this cool thing where if you do your job very well, you get to do other people's jobs, too. (laughs) I'm broke, but I'm not like poor broke. I'm classy broke. I'm baroque. (laughs) Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, bartender asked, hey, why the long face? Are you depressed? Because his horse walked into the bar. 
Horse ponders for a second, scratches his chin, and says, I don't think I am, and promptly disappears. This is a joke about Rene Descartes' famous statement, I think, therefore I am, and could have mentioned this at the start of the joke, but that would be putting Descartes before the horse. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> That's a foul. And I always double-check that our garage door is closed at night. I don't want someone stealing all the stuff we've been trying to get rid of for years. <laughs> Doctor talking to a patient. You have high blood pressure and short-term memory loss. Patient. Well, at least I don't have high blood pressure. <laughs> Here's a sign. Buy one burger for the price of two and receive a second burger absolutely free. <laughs> if cats could text you back, they would not. <laughs> Dennis is not coming back ever. He doesn't whatever. Third third edition, he won't be back. Talking to our teen daughter, I said, do you want to watch the baseball game with me? She said, no, I don't like baseball. I said, I didn't like Middle Little Mermaid either, but I watched it 1,387 times. Now go get your hat and jersey on. <laughs> okay. Policeman pulled me over and said, get out of the car. said, turn around. I said, every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're never coming around. He goes, Turn around. I said every now and then I got taste. <laughs> He's singing again. <laughs> hey, folks, never let an angry mom brush your hair. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you should walk a mile in my shoes because then you would be a mile away from me, and that would be fantastic. Just keep the shoes. <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. Really? I know. I'm looking for the drums. I can't find them. <laughs> Two reasons I don't trust people, I don't know them, and I know them. Where did it go? I hate people who can't let go of the past. Debt collectors are the worst. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely the worst. Oh, folks. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can listen to additional shows at stlintune.com. Consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more listeners and continue to grow. I want to thank you to Bob Berthasel for our theme music co-host, Mark Langston. And we thank you for being a part of our community of curious minds. St. Louis in Tune is a production of the Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. Remember to keep seeking, keep learning, walk worthy, and let your light shine. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.